That invitation song, number 208, the title of it is, He is Able to Deliver Thee. And the reason that I tell you that is because tonight's sermon is kind of built on that idea. The title of tonight's sermon is, God is Able. God is Able. I want us to consider tonight... Some of the beautiful and awesome and powerful promises in Scripture revolving around that eternal truth that God is able in all situations. Turn to me tonight, if you would, into the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 10. Some of these incredibly beautiful and powerful promises because our God is able. John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about himself and his sheep. And he says in verse 27 of John 10, My sheep hear my voice. He's talking about those people that listen to Jesus. Not all of the other stuff that's going on in the religious world, but they listen to Jesus. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now to those people who listen only to Jesus, what he said, and who follow him, he said, I know them, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And it's obvious, if you listen to Jesus, if you only follow Jesus, if you obey what Jesus says, do you have eternal life? It's exactly what he says. He says, those people I will give eternal life. They will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. God is able to keep and to protect forever those people who listen to him and follow Jesus. Nobody can take those people out of his hand. Nobody. Not Satan himself. The word snatch here means to seize or to carry off by force, such as a wolf does to sheep. Now that is not to say that a person cannot fall from grace. We know a person can. But it's not because somebody came along and snatched them out of God's hand. As long as they listen to God, they're fine. The problem is that some people stop listening to God. They stop following Jesus, and in that case, they can fall away. But as long as we listen to Him and follow Him, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about because nobody is able to take them out of God's hand because God is able Himself to carry them. Another instance of this is seen in Acts chapter 20. Please turn there. We're going to look at several of these right off the bat here tonight. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders and he's talking to them about how he's preached and, and worked with the Christians there in Ephesus and he comes to this point in verse 29 of Acts 20 where he says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He said, there's going to be people come in from the outside. And these savage wolves, they're going to be false teachers and they're going to rip and tear at the flock. Then he says in verse 30, not only are they going to come from the outside, but he said, there's going to be people from among yourselves. Men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. 
He said in the church you're going to have trouble from outside forces coming in and trying to develop their own following and tear apart the church. Even from within the church, you're going to have the same problem. Some people are going to rise up, speak what they want, try to get into personal power. Then he says in verse 31, Therefore, that is because of those two things, watch and remember that for three years... I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He said, this is going to be an awful problem. That's why I kept preaching and teaching and just, just, you know, intensely with tears warning you. But then look what he says in verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What is the answer to problems when people in the church arise and want personal power and to draw away disciples? What is the answer when people come in from the outside and try to teach false doctrine? What is the answer in all these terrible situations? Paul says, I commend you to God and his word which is able to protect you from all of that if we follow God's word God's word is able and God through his word is able to hold us and protect us and keep us from all of those terrible divisive influences please turn to me to Romans chapter 16 Paul concludes his epistle to the church of Christ in first century Rome by saying this in chapter 16 beginning at verse 25 Paul says now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all the nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen notice from verse 25 and all the way down through that reading God is able to establish you he is able to keep you he is able to hold you and protect you and he does this through the gospel he does he establishes us through the gospel but as we continue to read and to study and to listen to his word God is able to keep us established and finally Philippians chapter 3 if you would one more passage as we talk about God's being able. The Apostle Paul would write to the Church of Christ in first century Philippi the following. Philippians chapter 3 beginning at verse 17. He says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have, for us, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven. By contrast, he's saying our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. Are you eager for the Savior's return? You need to be. Eagerly. Wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Doesn't that sound awesome? A body that will never know sickness. A body that will never know 
the aging process, a body that will never know its feebleness increasing, that will never know any of those things, Jesus is going to transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Jesus is able to do all of that for us. What an awesome God. Not only that, but we know that when we get tempted to get involved with some of those shameful and selfish and sinful things like these folks in verses 17 through 19, we know that we have in Christ Jesus a high priest who is there to help us. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18. What an awesome God, what an able God we have. I want to ask you tonight, and I'm not looking for oral answers, but I just want to ask you, do you understand? Do you accept? Do you believe? Do you trust? Do you live with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength that God is able? Do you? That God is able to raise up children to Abraham even from the stones alongside a river, Matthew 3, 9 and Luke 3, 8. Do you believe God is able to do that? Scripture says he is. Do you believe that God is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy? Jude 1 and verse 24. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is able to preserve you so that the day that you stand before God in judgment, cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, that he is able to keep you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Do you believe that? You need to if you believe God is able, Jude one twenty four. Do you believe that God is able to keep you and carry you and protect you and strengthen you and help you and comfort you as you seek to serve Him and do His will, despite all of the struggles and conflicts that are going to come your way, do you believe God is able? The Apostle Paul certainly believed that. The Apostle Paul certainly believed that on a lot of fronts. But especially tonight we would notice, the Apostle Paul believed God was able when it came to evangelizing and sharing the gospel with everybody he came in contact with. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, wrote these two epistles to young Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 8, I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul knew he didn't just believe it, he knew it. He knew his God was able to take him through anything, any struggle that his evangelistic efforts got him into. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writes, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. When you seek to share the gospel, there's going to be some suffering. Paul goes on to say about this God in verse 9, who has saved us, notice past tense, the work's already done, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not, that, not because we deserve it, not because we've done some great thing that, that we deserve heaven, that's not the point, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul says to Timothy, don't be ashamed to speak up. And tell people about all these wonderful things that God has given us. Don't be ashamed. Say, well, I'm not ashamed, I just don't say anything. It's pretty equivalent. He says, share with me in the sufferings. Look at all that God has done for us. He said, for everything God has done for us is the reason I'm a preacher and a teacher. It's the reason I try to teach the Gentiles. But then look what he says in verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things. I'm speaking up, sharing what God's done for me, and that's the whole reason I'm, <laughs> that's the whole reason I'm struggling here. Here's the whole reason I'm suffering. It's the whole reason that I have all these problems. For this reason I also suffer these things. Watch this. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul said, you know what? It don't matter how many struggles I get into. It doesn't matter how many chains. We could have read more of Acts chapter 20 a few minutes ago when I turned there and we would have seen that, that, that only chains awaited him. But he said, that's okay. As long as I get to finish my course and I get to tell more people about Jesus. Acts 20 verses 17 and following. Paul says right here, don't care what kind of struggles I get into, what kind of trouble I get into telling people about Jesus. You know what? I'm not ashamed and I know God is able to take care of me. You see that? He's able to keep that, what I've, that which I've committed to him until that day. I have committed my life and my soul and all that I am to God. And I know that no matter how tough it gets telling people about what an awesome God we've got. And whatever, however dark it may look and bad it may look. I know that God will carry me through. And that I can trust him with my life and everything that I am. Because God is able. You know, we've talked a lot lately about evangelism, our Wednesday night class. It's kind of beginning to wind down and we're discussing some of the reasons why we fear to talk to people about Jesus. And I want to spend the rest of tonight's lesson applying some passages to talk about God is able to our evangelistic efforts, especially our personal ones. 
You know, sometimes when a church gets elders, all of a sudden, it appears as if they think everything that they've been doing, it's all the elders' responsibility now. We don't have to do anything because we've got elders, they can do everything. It, well, in that same vein, the reason I bring that up, in that same vein, let us not think that just because we're having a campaign of door knocking, that all of a sudden they're going to do all of our evangelism for us. That's not the way it works. It's not like, well, we're going to hire this out so we can just sit back and not tell anybody about Jesus. We don't have to worry about it because we're having a door knocking camp. No, it doesn't work that way. So again, let's take some verses that talk about how God is able and apply them to evangelism. Would you please look in your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, please turn there. Chapter 20. 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. A passage that I seem to be going to a lot these days. In 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, there's a great multitude great multitude huge group it's coming against god's people and god's people fear it says they feared and in their fear and again on wednesday night we're going to be talking about some of the reasons some of the things we fear in evangelism when they feared what did they do in this chapter here they set themselves to seek the lord look at verse 4 so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. They're scared, it says in verses 1 through 3. So they set themselves to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly, verse 5, of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Hey God, you're all powerful. No one is able to withstand you because you are able to do all things. In verse 12, the question is asked, O oh our God, will you not judge them? That is, this vast multitude that is coming against God's people. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. God, help us. We, we don't know how to handle this. We're, we're afraid. Verse 15. He said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed. Do you see that in your own Bibles? Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. Don't worry about them. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now, questions. We've had the text reading, now comes the test. Was God able to give them victory? 
Yes. Is that same God able to give us victory in the battle for the souls of this community? Is he able? Yes, he is. Now, back to our story. Knowing that God was able to give them victory in 2 Chronicles, as we read, what did they do? Well, they got together and they sought him in prayer. Isn't that what they did? They sought him in prayer. Hey, what are we doing with this campaign? And I appreciate all you men that have stood up and, and, and ladies praying publicly, uh, praying privately and, and all of us praying, you know, in our private prayers and the gentlemen who are leading us praying publicly. We need to continue. This is what they did. It's what we're doing. What was God's answer to their prayers? Don't be afraid. Just because there's so many of them. And so few of you do not be dismayed because of this great multitude. Let me ask you a question. Are we vastly outnumbered in this town? Vastly outnumbered. Town of what? 3,300 or so? And there's maybe what? 60 of us on a good day? Yeah, we're vastly outnumbered. Was there a man named Gideon once that was vastly outnumbered? Seems I remember hearing something about that. But moving back to our story here, because I could go on and on. Here's the question that really counts as we conclude this part. What did the victory that he, that is God, was both willing and able to give them depend on from them? What did the victory that God was both willing and able to give them depend on from them? Go. Position yourselves. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Go out. Verses 16 and 17. Same thing that happened, you know, this is in the Bible a lot, or in the Bible more than once anyway. In Exodus 14 and verse 15, here is, here is Moses with the people, and they're getting ready to cross the Red Sea, and Moses is standing there, and the Lord says to him in Exodus 14, 15, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. God says, what are you crying to me for? I'm ready. I'm ready to give you the victory. I'm ready to, to do what I said I'd do. Tell the people to go. As long as you're standing there, I can't do what you've asked me to do. Go. And in the same way, go, go, go. What does the victory that God is both willing and able to give us here in this town critically depend on from us? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. The answer is the same that it's always been. Sometimes we wonder why God doesn't do something. In the scriptures, more than once, 
we see God ready to act, just waiting for the people to go and position themselves. Get ready. Go. Move forward. You know, if we go prepared by prayer, armed with the word, and doing what God said, is God still able to give us victory? Is He? And here's the thing. If we go prepared by prayer, armed with the word, and doing what God said, you know the battle is still His, it's not ours. You say, well, how does that work? Well, here's how it works. We all know how it works if we stop and think about it. The battle still belongs to God, not us. We just go and position ourselves. And this is how that works. It is not your job, nor is it my job, to convert one single person. That's not our job. You know whose job that is? That's God's job. What is our job? Our job is to go, position ourselves with the sword of the Spirit, and get people into the book. And God converts them in the book. It's not about our opinions. It's not about what we think. Our job is to have the sword of the Spirit at the ready and get people into the book. You know, we can plant and water, but isn't, doesn't the Bible say something about God giving the increase in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? That's God's job. The battle is still God's. To work on their heart and their mind and their conscience, we just plant the seed in their hearts. But the growth is up to God. The battle is still His, not ours. All he asks us to do is go. Is God still able? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8 says, Yes, God still is able. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudging, Lee, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you say, what's that got to do with what we're talking about? Read the next line. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You see, that passage is a lot about finances, but it's not all about finances. You see, God wants us to go forward and He is able to provide us with everything we need for every good work. God is able to provide us with the words we need to convert lost souls. Is that right? They're between Genesis and Revelation, people. Same plan that's been in place for nearly 2,000 years. God is able. And I'll tell you what, one of the most beautiful passages on this to me is in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And that passage says, you know what? God is able. God is able to do far exceedingly abundantly over and above anything we can ask, think, or imagine. Actually, what it says in the New King James is, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Is God able to work through his church? Yes. Is God able to accomplish everything he wants to accomplish through his church if his church will simply go position themselves and do what he told them to do? Is he able? 
Amen. God is able. Is God able in all things to help us accomplish that? Yes. The final passage of the night is in the book of Jude. Please turn to the book of Jude, which Corky is doing a great job covering for us in the Sunday morning adult class. I don't want to steal any of his class, but at the same time, I want us to look at the final part of the little letter to Jude. When it comes to saving souls, perhaps there is no better text than all of Scripture that tells us that God is able to give us the victory when we are seeking to save souls and how to do that than we find in the latter part of the epistle to Jude. Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, there's our word from this morning if you were here. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. You see, that's first. You see, you can't share and be excited about your faith unless you've built up your own faith. You've got to be excited. I'm sorry, that, that came out wrong. You can't show somebody else your excitement and zeal and enthusiasm about your faith unless you first are excited and jubilant about your own faith. So you build yourself up. On your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. There's prayer again, just like we saw before. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know what? That's pretty much a threefold blueprint for success or victory when it comes to saving the lost. Build yourself up in the faith, pray, and keep yourself in the love of God, always looking for His mercy. You say, well, how come you tied that to evangelism? Well, because Jude does. Look at the next few verses. And on some, here we go, leads right into it. Have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear. We're commanded to save others. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. You say, that's a pretty tall order. You know, I don't know as I'm able to do that. What if I fumble and stumble around? Read the next verse. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... Can God keep you from stumbling? Can God keep you from stumbling even when it comes to your evangelistic efforts? When it comes to saving others and pulling them out of the fire? I realize verse 24, he's addressing a lot more than that, but he's also addressing that as well. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, I'm not going to turn there, you know the story. God had told the Israelites about the promised land and told Moses to select 12 men to go in there and check it out. Go check. God says, go check it out. See how wonderful this place is. Well, we know what happened. 12 spies went in. They come back to report. And 
Basically, Joshua and Caleb's message as two of the ten spies that went in, basically their message was three words. Not literally, but we can sum it up with three words. You know, you know what their response was? God is able to give us this place. And the other ten said, oh no, 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 they're too big for us. They're more than a match for us. We're so tiny, we can't do, in their eyes, we can't do this. They are so big. And Joshua and Caleb said, but God is able. God told us he'd do it. And they said, no, it's too big. We know what happened with both sides, don't we? As we go out this week... Let us all fall into the Joshua and Caleb camp. If we have an opportunity, if God blesses us with an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ our Lord and about all he's done for us, let's go at it understanding that God is able to help us with that. Because he is. You see... Which camp we fall into, the answer to that question will come in the form of our actions and the substance of our conversations as we encounter the lost and whether or not we decide or choose to engage in the battle for their eternal souls. God is able, isn't he church? God is able. Tonight, God is able to save your soul. If you've never been baptized into Christ, if you've never repented of your sins and confessed Him, never been baptized into Christ, that's, that's the battle plan. That's the battle for your eternal soul, and that's the plan God has in place to win it. If you would be baptized tonight, you can come forward in just a minute, or if you're somebody that already has been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you've lost some battles, You've lost some battles with sin. You've lost some battles and you've been weak. Maybe you haven't studied enough. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here tonight that says, you know what? I was inspired by that lesson. I want to go out and I want to talk to people about Jesus. But I just haven't had the courage and the faith to do that in the past. I need the prayers of the church that I can better Go tell people about Jesus. If you have any of those needs tonight, then you can make your way down front as we stand and sing, God is able. Would you come to the front now if you need, please?